I really don't see those past relapses as failures. I try to look at those as opportunities to, to look at myself and say, what happened there? What, what was I doing right? And, and what was not going well? Um, what did I need to, to add to my recovery? Um, and so it's been three months that I've been sober right now, and I'm, I'm very proud of that. I can't express how, um, what a gift, you know, what, what a gift I feel it is, uh, not only to have Chris with us, but to see uh, the potential he has to just share his story with, with people, because I think it's such an important thing to, to share the really important positive things that come out of recovery. I'm Heather Venegas, and you're listening to King County Recovery Conversations, a place to celebrate recovery and help break the stigma of addiction and mental health. Welcome to King County Recovery Conversations. My name is Heather Venegas, and I'm your host for this podcast episode. We will be looking at family and recovery. And I'm joined today by a person in recovery and their mother and um, an expert from Hazelden who is the director of their family programs. So I'm just really excited to get started. So let's just go ahead and kick it off. Chris, would you start us off today by sharing a bit of your story and your recovery journey with us? Yeah, hi, Heather. Thanks for having me. Um, so like you said, my name is Chris. Uh, I started my recovery journey about three years ago. I was living with my girlfriend at the time, and really, she was the one that first kind of pushed me to get sober. Um, actually, she gave me an, an ultimatum uh, that I could either stop drinking or um, that we would no longer be together. And so that, that was kind of the beginning. Um, I think prior to that, I, I, I knew things were, were getting a bit out of hand, out of my control. Um, but I hadn't taken any steps to make any, any changes or anything like that. And so that was really the first time, um, I got sober at that first point, I, I stopped drinking when that happened, when we had that, that conversation. Uh, I was sober for, I think it was about six weeks or so. Started feeling good, started exercising, um, and then I relapsed. Um, I uh, wasn't, wasn't going to any treatment at the time, wasn't going to any recovery programs of, of any sort, just kind of got sober and, and thought that I could do it on my own. Um, at that point, I decided I need some help, needed some help. Um, and so I did decide to go into a, a treatment program called an intensive outpatient program. It was COVID at the time. So obviously that that's changed the world for everybody in a, a lot of ways. Um, it was peak COVID. Um, it was 2020, 2020 uh, fall at the time, and so I, I did that outpatient program via Zoom. Um, I had some sobriety during that, but honestly, I, I was I was relapsing during that program as well. Um, it wasn't until sort of the end of that that program that I got involved with a twelve step recovery program, fellowship based program. Um, it started attending 
other meetings out, outside of, of just the treatment program that I was going to and started working with with other, other people like me, other people that were dealing with uh, substance use disorder uh, and alcoholism. Um, and really over, over the last few years, I've, I've kind of gone through a, a cycle of, of periods of sobriety, uh, treatments, um, and relapses. And um, most recently, I, I went to a Hazelden residential program in Center City, Minnesota. Uh, continued with their what they called day program, which is essentially the same as the intensive outpatient program um, that I had done before, but that was in person every day. And then um, I recently moved over to another intensive outpatient program that I that I'm still in. Um, and so, in in this round of sobriety, you know, I've I've really been trying to take what I learned through relapses and past treatments. Um, I really don't see those past relapses as failures. I try to look at those as opportunities to, to look at myself and say, what happened there? What, what was I doing right? And, and what was not going well? Um, what did I need to, to add to my recovery? Um, and so it's been, three months that I've been sober right now and I'm, I'm very proud of that and doing a lot of work uh, on myself and with others working with other alcoholics in recovery um, and talking to my um, family a lot I, I think one one big thing that's changed in this three years is that um, you know it can, it can be pretty jarring uh, at first it was for me at least um, to to talk about these things publicly with other people, whether that's family, friends, or you kind of yeah, at a certain point, um, it's out of it's been out of my control uh, in terms of who who knows about this. And so I've had conversations with all sorts of people, and just having those conversations has done a lot to make me more comfortable with having those conversations. And um, I I tend to get a lot a lot out of it and you you kind of start to start to feel where the support is again whether that's friends or family um you know I think people talk a lot about stigma around uh substance use disorder but um there there are a lot of people out there I'm I'm lucky to have a lot of people who care a lot and so to be able to lean on those people um and share with those people I've been able to learn from them, and I, th I think they've also been able to, to learn with me. So that's a little bit of, of my story, just a, a brief snapshot of kind of what, what brings me to where I am today. Thank you, Chris. Uh, when we were speaking earlier, you shared about a um, getting injured and that you had to go through a whole process of um, recovering from uh, a physical injury as well and um, it was really impactful when you were sharing that would you be willing to tell our audience a little bit about what happened and how that was part of your journey yeah so earlier this year um, I, I was in the midst of a, a relapse I, I had been I had been drinking and 
had an injury um, while while I was using, uh, fell down a flight of stairs and and had a traumatic brain injury, um, and it was a, a very serious injury. Um, you know, very tough on myself, but I think especially for those first couple months, my my family and friends um, that. It was it was a little touch and go at times. Uh, frankly, I, I needed a, a surgery. I, I had a subdural hematoma, and my brain started to swell after four days in the hospital, and so they had to perform a surgery where they took out part of my uh, skull and drained blood from the uh, brain in order to reduce the pressure and. Fortunately, I had an amazing team of surgeons uh, and just team in general helping me in the in the hospital. Um, but that was able to reduce the swelling, and there were other complications that happened as well. I was I was in a, a drug-induced coma for somewhere around a month um, in the hospital for a total of two months, um, and and you know that was obviously took a, a, a physical toll um, and also you know a mental toll um, and and my brain was impacted I, I kind of didn't really fully understand the entirety of how long it was taking to heal uh, in the moment it's kind of hard to know what you don't know I guess uh, in some ways uh, but looking back you know it, it, it definitely, I had periods of where I had lost time, uh, didn't remember certain events and things like that, and fortunately, that that's no longer happening. Um, and I've been able to make a a, a very good recovery uh, in this time. Um, but you know, e- even that, going through all of that, coming close to, frankly, dying from that injury. Um, being in the hospital for two months, you know, I, I still went out immediately after getting out of the hospital and relapsed again. And what, what that has taught me and what I've thought a lot about recently is the difference between sobriety and recovery. And, you know, sobriety can be hard enough on its own uh, at, at certain times in that, that first day or, or making that first week or whatever it is. I think um, we all have different experiences, those of us that, that deal with this, but um, that that's one challenge in its own on just getting sober. But then recovery is really, to me, more of a full picture of making sure that I'm working on myself and trying to be the, the person that I want to be dealing with, with the hard parts, um, you know, mental struggles, depression, anxiety, things like that, and developing a daily way of life that works for me to stay sober, but also to live a happy life in recovery uh, and to be able to do the things that I want to do and enjoy the things uh, that I do every day. Thank you so much, Chris. Wow, that just must have been so (sighs) scary, Maureen, for you and so stressful for you and your family to to walk through this with Chris and not know if he was going to make it or not. And um, 
Would you please share a little bit about what that was like and how this journey has hmm. been for you? I don't know how to follow that, uh, Chris. That was beautiful. Thank you. Um, so um, it's been an amazing journey. Um, these last six months, uh, is it six months now? I guess it's five months, six months. Um, uh, just being on the side, you know, at the bedside watching that Chris go through that when he wasn't aware of what was going on during that time because he was in a coma, obviously. But um, And just seeing the last three months of recovery have just been the most beautiful thing. I can't, I can't express how... Um, what a gift, you know, what, what a gift I feel it is, uh, not only to have Chris with us, but to see uh, the potential he has to just share his story with, with people, because I think it's such an important thing to, to share the really important positive things that come out of recovery. Um, <clears throat> I'm really honored to be here and, and grateful to be asked, so thank you. Um, and I'm very grateful to what I've learned, you know, uh, uh, for the people that have helped me learn um, some new skills around this, which, and Chris is one of them. I mean, Chris help, helps teach me every day, every day we talk. Um, and uh, also the team at Hazelden has just been amazing because I've just kind of, I, I, I put both feet in pretty quickly and said, I need, I need help um, as, a, as a mom who not only having gone through that trauma, but having gone through my own traumas around this disease for years, not, not with Chris necessarily, but with, um, with Chris and with others in our family. I come from a family where um, alcoholism runs deep. Um, we've got you know just a, a number of family members. I can um, almost count them on, on two hands. There's, there's a lot. We're, we're from a very large extended family. And there's a lot of it there. Um, and for me, what I realized uh, is that I learned behaviors as a young person with a family that where there was alcoholism in that family. I learned behaviors that were not very, you know, they were adaptive back then. <laughs> they were adaptive back then. But then when I um, became a mom and, and became, you know, got, got older and, and was working in my work and my, my job, they're not so adaptive when you're a little bit over... Um, I guess the term is sort of over-functioning. I, I, I sort of felt like I needed to kind of do things right, you know, and make sure that they were exactly right. And my kids, so there's a lot that, that my family um, learned from me about that. Not all of it was great, uh, and, I'm, and I'm learning that, and I'm, I'm just learning. Um, so I have a lot of um, gratitude. I, I've been involved in a 12-step recovery program for um, that, that supports that helps me understand this disease of alcoholism um, uh, in my family members, in the people that I love. So that's that's my perspective of it. I've been in it for about 13 years now because there's just, it's it's impacted me and I was very aware that it impacted me. Um, so I I also just, um, I, I, yeah, I, I guess that's that's kind of the, the big thing is I'm just really grateful and, and it, it's an opportunity for me also with this big trauma we went through to look at myself and say, okay, how do I stay healthy through this? How do, how do I um, make sure that I'm, you know, the best person I can be so that I'm 
I'm not, well, number one, not a burden to other people because we're all going through a lot with all of this or we all did go through a lot, but also just because I deserve that and I deserve to have a, um, a healthy, happy life. And um, I'm just beyond grateful that Chris and I get to go through this journey together. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing. Jessica, let's bring you into the conversation. Could you just introduce yourself um, and give us a little information about how you ended up in your current position? And Yeah, for sure. Yeah, thank you for having us. And I also don't know how I'm going to follow either of you. um, Because I just there's I got emotional just listening to that. Um, But yes, I'm the supervisor of the virtual family programs. And we have several services within that line. And uh, I have worked with families uh, in this field for about 15 years. uh, And every time I sort of made any different move in my career, whether I did, you know, therapy or, or different roles, it was always, how do I get back to working with families? Cause I think they're such uh, an important piece of the recovery sort of puzzle, so to speak. Um, I think they're a vital aspect, not just as Maureen said, for their own health and healing, but also to better understand how to begin to have these conversations uh, with their loved ones so that they can better understand that how their loved ones are getting better. Because that's what a lot of family members truly want to know is, what do I do? <laughs> and how is my loved one doing? Um <clears throat> because so much of our feelings and emotions and sort of our relationships are wrapped up in those really chaotic. And as Maureen said, I think very well, traumatic experiences. Um, And so we want to know they're getting better as well. Um, I came to this position, particularly Hazelden. I started over here 10 years ago and um, again, continued to want to work with families and was able to become the supervisor uh, recently this year to just continue to develop our programs and make them, uh, even though virtual is pretty accessible, but to make them even more accessible uh, to more people as we sort of look to the future um, of our programs. And um, in a way I kind of fell into this field. I always knew I wanted to be a counselor or a therapist on some level um, and then started uh, at an at a adolescent facility and was like, I, I didn't have any idea that addiction was where I wanted to work and what I wanted to do until I kind of um, actually started working intake there with families. Um, and my job was just listening to parents in crisis not knowing what to do. Um, What do I do? My kid needs help. And so guiding them through a really confusing field and then further just wanted to continue to do this. Um, It felt um, really fulfilling, I think, to work with families and provide them that landing pad because as a field, this is really hard to navigate. Um, There's a lot of words and things we call things and um, phrases that you know, don't make sense to anyone starting to navigate this field. Um, and then as I certainly got into this field, I started, uh, anytime you're in this field, you reflect on your own life. Uh, and you think, oh, this was more in my family than I realized. Um, and so it gave me a lot of good insights in terms of supporting myself personally, you know, doing my own job, um, but also bringing that information back to uh, my own family and watching them go through um watching different members extended throughout kind of go through a lot of this. And I feel like we've been better for it um, in terms of being able to support ourselves better as well. Absolutely. 
Um, as you may or may not know, I'm a woman in long-term recovery as well. I just celebrated 29 years, and I have had also family members who have also been um, impacted by substance use disorder, and uh, my mother went to um, the, a 12-step fellowship for family members of people who are using substances, and my daughter has... Um, some co-occurring disorder um, things happening and it is quite the terrifying and scary and confusing process really to navigate the path when you realize that something is wrong and what steps do we take now to work through mm -hmm. it and how do I support them and and realizing my own part and things too has just been really interesting especially as someone in recovery mm -hmm. and then um, supporting someone else and realizing oh <laughs> maybe I should go to that other program too <laughs> or yeah. something like that right that's helping family members um, that are supporting someone in their process so I'm just so excited and thrilled to hear about the different programs that, that you were offering at Hazelden. Mm -hmm. And I was really struck when we were speaking, Jessica, and I'd love to have you elaborate on this. Mm -hmm. But my understanding is that Hazelden offers programs for children, adolescents, and adult family members of someone who is could be potentially out there active in their addiction, mm -hmm. someone who ha is in treatment, someone who has gone to treatment, someone who is in recovery, or someone that they've lost, mm -hmm. uh, whether or not they are connected with Hazelden or not, that this mm -hmm. program is open to anyone, anywhere, and, mm -hmm. um, and that you have different types of... Um, education and workshops and skills things and peer groups for each of these different categories mm -hmm. could you share about that and how mm -hmm. that came to be yeah absolutely i know when you think of that idea of family um when you sort of look at that whole family system right and so really serving the whole family is really important to us and so uh yeah one of the main things we have that's um at no cost is our family program which we are going to start calling that the core education and skills workshop because that's sort of a good landing pad for family members as you said i think really well a lot of it's realizing thing going on but i don't i don't know what and i can't really put my finger on it so why don't i better understand what it is um so that i can begin to clarify that put some language to it and feel really probably a little bit more settled because you're right that terror um, that was one of the words that I kind of wrote down there just listening to your stories Maureen I can't imagine the terror you felt right being on the sidelines and that's really common for family members to feel and watch this sort of unknown thing um, that has life or death attached to it um, and that is it's traumatizing it's terrorizing and so the question people say is I don't know what to do where do I start? And they don't ask for skills, right? They just say, what do I do? And so offering that in terms of better, you know, able to cope with this too, offering the skills in terms of better able to cope with it um, really provides that supportive piece for all members of the family. And it gives them then the same language. Parents will often call 
and say, what do I say to my kids or my other kids or my spouse or my other family members? How do I start having these conversations? Um, and when we can provide those other services for adolescents and for young kids as well, uh, especially that follow-up care, it provides them that whole family recovery and those individual opportunities for healing going forward as well. Could I add something about the one of the, uh, so I've, I've, thank you, Jessica. I, I have so much uh, high regard for, for you and your team. Um, I, I did, as I said, just kind of dove into it and said, I, I, I've got to learn some things here. I, I, it's a, it, we have a complicated uh, family system. Uh, my, my, Chris's dad and I are divorced and he's got three siblings. Um, all grown adults, so they're all in their own homes and starting their own lives, and it's it's kind of complicated when you're dealing with all of these things when there's that much um, happening. I, I just um, so I, I knew I'm I'm a bit of a joiner. <laughs> I knew that Hazelden was the place to be for me, and I was so uh, I was so impressed immediately. And I don't want to do a big commercial here, but I just was very I was very impressed at how calm Chris became very quickly uh, in in there it was just truly impressive um, and 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 I um, what I what I wanted to say was that I the the courses that I took I did take the the there's a I think a six-hour family course and then there's a um, an eight-week course that's called healthy relationships I I that is a that was such a gift um, that course because it was about teaching those of us who love people who are dealing with this illness a way to communicate with them without breaking relationship with them um, without saying I can't be around you this is too much for me to watch this is too much for me and there have been times when I've been in that situation where it's just and and with my history of so many people in my past having gone through that it was pretty easy to kind of pull away and go okay I I just can't take on too much of that so I knew the part about distancing but I didn't know the part about using really important language in a way that was uh calming and, and encouraged continued uh, conversation rather than shutting down conversation. And that I knew that um, my son was, you know, Chris was going through this and I loved him so much that I wanted to be able to be a partner with him and not be telling him what to do or not be leaving because I didn't think he was doing it right. So I just, um, I found that, uh, that training to be just incredibly important thank you Chris is there anything you'd like to share to that I know that when we were speaking earlier you had um, mentioned how it has um, improved your communication I believe with your mom and other members of your family yeah well specifically around recovery I, I, th- I think it's improved a lot in, in part just because my, I'm, I'm a lot more open about it, so we're just having more communication, which I would say is an improvement. Um, you know, when, the, when there's a subject that... Um, I, I mean, I think in the, in the past, you know, I, I, would, I would either either get defensive or just try ways of avoiding conversations around, um, around drinking or, or anything... Um, related to that um and I think that probably says something about me ha- having an idea long before I ever tried to get sober that 
that was probably something I was going to have to deal with at some point. Um, and you know, my, my parents have had conversations with me and my, my siblings from a, a very young age, um, about alcoholism just because it does run so deep in our family. Um, and, and so there, there, there always has been communication around this, but, um, it's definitely changed over time just based on kind of how it was showing up in, in my life and their lives and how we were all changing as, as people over the years. Um, but, but I will say that in the last, really this whole year, but, um, especially in the last few months, it, it's been it's been really helpful for me to be able to call either of my parents um, at any time and know that if, if they don't pick up right then I'll be talking to them soon whenever they can just just to be able to talk about anything and, it, and it's not like it's always like oh man I'm I'm really struggling right now like even sharing the the good things and the oh this is what I learned at treatment or like this is something that someone told me that I think is really going to help me out. I think, I think there's value. Totally. I, I hope for them as well. There's definitely value for me in being able to, to talk about all this. Um, if, if nothing else, it's just kind of solidifying the different pieces that I want to bring into my daily way of living moving forward. And, and that's the thing about the the recovery community and why I value it so much is that and and the reason that I attend fellowship programs is because there's there's so many experiences and there's so much knowledge out there just from what other people have gone through that may not even be exactly the same as what I've faced but I'm going to be able to hear things and sometimes I will hear something from another alcoholic or another um, person with an addiction of, of some kind and just be like, oh, I've had that exact same thought <laughs> or, or like you just took the words right out of my mouth or, or things like that. And so I, th- I think that to me is the value of being able to communicate about this openly and with family especially. Um, that's really helpful. And I, I be- because I do have um, so much family uh that is also in recovery, um, you know, I, I talk to them as well. And, and that's also an important part of my, my recovery program and, um, talking to aunts, uncles and cousins. Um, and, and I, I'm truly, I'm, I'm grateful for, for so many different aspects of, of recovery, but, um, that piece of it is, is something that I, that I really cherish. Um, and that, really helps me um just kind of reaffirms that that this is the direction that I that I want to be taking my life and it's nice to have family around (laughs) when I'm when I'm uh kind of going through those things so Chris and Maureen what um when you think of the next six 12 18 months to come what are some of the things that you're looking forward to and hoping to experience in your life? Well, I, I, I can start. I, I have I have one plan, <laughs> which is which is actually to to move out closer to family. Uh, right now, I'm in uh, 
Minnesota and I've been here for about 10 years. Um, and my, my mom and two of my siblings and four of my nephews are all in the Seattle area. And so I'm, I'm actually planning to move out there. So that, that's one thing I'm, I'm really excited about. I, and it's also going to be a challenge in some ways of, um, you know, I've, how do I, how do I apply that, that daily way of living that I was talking about, you know, making sure that I'm bringing that with me wherever I go. Um, and part of that is immediately plugging into the recovery community out in a new place, but also it's going to mean different kinds of relationships with my family, um, just in, in the proximity in the fact that we'll be closer, uh, in proximity and, um, I'll be able to see them more, but, uh, I'm, I'm excited for that also just for kind of an, a new, a new adventure, uh, of sorts, uh, haven't lived outside of the Midwest before. And I've kind of always had a, had a dream of, of getting out, out to the Northwest. So, um, yeah, for me that, that's something I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to. Um, I am, uh, as you can imagine, thrilled that Chris is thinking of coming out this way. Um, and uh, looking forward to that. And, and in that, looking forward to um, our family, uh, my, my kids, uh, his siblings and my, my two kids out here and their kids. And then his, he has another brother. I have another son in uh, California. Um, continuing to just, just, you know, become the people we want to be and also become sort of the, the family we want to be. Um, I don't think you go through all of what, you know, and I'm going to speak for myself and not, not in reference to Chris, but just through all that's gone on in my lifetime around this issue, it, it, there's a lot of healing needed. And, and um, there's healing needed for me. And I think that as I start to become healthier, um, I, I really look forward in the next few years, next year, couple years, uh, in those relationships with um, my family and my extended family and my friends to be stronger than ever. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm just, I'm very, I'm very grateful that, that we're at this point where Chris is uh, thinking about coming out here. I know that my job for the next, uh, for the rest of my life, actually, is to just continue to heal myself um, and to be um, in relationship, in good relationship, and setting good boundaries and feeling comfortable with, with the people I love and people out in the community. Yeah. If I could, Heather, there were some great things both of them said in in that and, and the uh, healthy relationships program that was spoken about. I think two things that that make that program really good are the the workshops and the skills. And then on top of it is that coaching piece that provides that much more intensive beyond the education I was talking about into this. Okay. What do I actually need to do? What do we want it to look like? And something I thought of as I was reflecting on what both of you said, uh, particularly as Maureen, you said, learning how to talk with them. And, and Chris, as you said, less defensive, you know, how do we learn to have language and communication so that we get the information that we're looking for, so to speak, but it's not in an interrogative way, right? You want to know he's doing well, but you don't want to sit there and say, did you drink today? Did you do these things today, right? Did you go to your meeting today, right? Those are those are questions that sort of have this, what we call sometimes this red light response. And then there's that defensiveness that comes from, you know, our experiences in the midst of this chaos, 
really breeds a lot of defensiveness and fear and not one knowing what the intent of the question is. And so through these skills that we've been able and here very much to apply is builds these resiliency skills. And that's what we really look at in this field for family members, for patients, for anyone who's wanting to, to find some healing is how do we build these resiliency skills, which is truly just the ability to manage, have a wider capacity to manage stress better. And these skills are what really provide that foundation to be able to do that, to learn how their loved ones are doing, but they apply to really every relationship. It's, I've heard some people say, I've actually used this more at work than I have or with other family members just because I haven't had the opportunity to use it with my loved one yet, right? So they're, they're evidence-based skills that truly are translatable to building healthy relationships across the board um, and apply everywhere to, you know, really for Maureen, as she mentioned, to build that individual healthiness that, you know, helps her engage in her relationships in a different way and elicits then a different response from her son um, to feel like, oh, the way this question was asked, I don't feel like there's that intent there to want to know whatever it is and the ability to your empathy for the other person as well. So that's really what we use that healthy relationships program for is to provide that long, longer term support so that you can see those results and those change because that long-term support, right? We do know that with people that are in treatment, engaged in recovery or engaged in, in treatment in the longer term really is what provides longer term recover or better longer term recovery outcomes. And the same goes for families. If we can provide that longer term support, we're seeing these changes in beautiful ways. I'd like to ask all three of you to answer this next question, uh, which is what would you like to say or what advice would you have for a parent or loved one who has someone who hasn't gotten into recovery yet that's just starting their journey? What what advice would you have for them? Um, that's a that's a <laughs> that's a big question um, because. Um, I think my first thought is there are ways to stay involved with your person you love and not avoid the conversations. I wish that I had had some of these skills um, many years ago so that I could have addressed it differently and maybe not um, put my, my son and others on the defensive uh, around the issue. I just wish I had known a little bit more about that. So I think I would say learn as much as you can. Um, find the resources from people who deal in this issue particularly. Um, Hazelden happens to have just a, a fabulous program for families. Um, I'm sure there's others in other communities around the nation. Um, but really, and then I would also encourage um, you know, there are fellowships out there where there are other, I, I, I go to parent meetings, um, and that, that is just a huge source of support for me. And I see that as a, an adjunct to sort of other therapies. So like learning the, the health and communication skills is one thing, but also talking to, you know, my, talking to someone professionally is another thing, because these are, these are tough issues. And, and it's not, um, as Chris has done a really beautiful job of, of, of sharing with me, um, 
it's really up to me to be healthier, and it's really up to Chris to be his own healthy. It's not up to us to make sure the other person is healthy. It, it's up to us to take care of ourselves so that we're um, as, as uh, solid as we can be and, yeah, be in a better place. Yeah, thanks, Pam. Um, I, if I had to add some to this, I guess I, guess I would say coming from the perspective of a person in a recovery, not, not a, um, a parent of, of anyone in recovery, you know, what, what's been really helpful for me. Um, and I, and I, I haven't agreed with every way that my, my parents handled conversations or me breaking rules or everything growing up, you know, like I, I was a very independent teenager and very ready to be on my own um, as an as an 18 year old and uh, you know because of that had had a lot of, thought I had a lot of things uh, figured out um, but I would I would say that um, because of the way that my parents always always did talk about this and talk about recovery and because I knew it was such a, a personal issue for them, which it, which it may not be for, for every parent of someone in recovery out there prior to dealing with their own child in, in recovery. Um, you know, I, I, I knew that, that when I was ready, that I had supportive parents that were there that I could approach and, and talk about this with, um, and 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 feel supported um and know that I didn't have to to hide out and handle my recovery by myself so so I guess I guess the advice that I would give if any is to just um as much as possible for for parents to to kind of keep that in mind in terms of how they they build in that approachability around these tough subjects and it may not be recovery for every um, parent, but just, just for, for kids to be able to, to have tough conversations, um, about things like recovery, about mental illness, about just life in general, when it gets hard, um, that was, that's been really, really helpful for me. And so I, I would think that that would be helpful for, for others as well. Yeah, I agree with Maureen. It's a really big question. And I love what you both said so beautifully and um, kind of bringing those two things together. I think looking for a support group or a program that really has that perspective of says we have skills that help you both connect with one another. Our intention is to rebuild this relationship with um, how we want to approach it and encourage conversations um, and encourage conversations that are, are healing and supportive to to both of you um because that you know we need relationships and our family relationships are a really important part of of who we are um and as chris kind of ended in there too right it's nice to have them uh when you're entering into this recovery journey and have them in such a way that is supportive of it and can help you both work through and can help all family members work through um the difficulties that come with it you know life in general isn't e- easy. And as you're working through all the things that, that you've gone through and, and the past things that are 
just coming with you, right? We don't forget those things and we don't, um, you know, we're, we are impacted through the experience of those. And our goal is always to, how do we come out on top of those experiences um, and have them be ones that change us for the better and make us, um, you know, better and, and better in our relationships. So um, I think that's what I, the advice I would probably boil it down to, although there's probably several is, is look for one that really is in line with what your values are um, and is supportive of what your goals are and can help you get there. Thank you everyone for joining me today. Uh, Jessica, what is the, the link or the email mm-hmm. address for if people want to look for the Hazelden family programs online? Yeah, they are welcome to find it at our website. So it's uh, www.hazeldenbettyford.org forward slash family. Um, and I know you said you'd have the link in the show notes there too, but also our email for our virtual family team is just virtual family uh, at uh, hazeldenbettyford.org. Thank you so much. And we will be sharing all of the resources that you have provided will be in our show notes um, following the show. Um, thank you, Chris and Maureen, for sharing your journey of recovery and family healing with us today. We're so deeply grateful to have you here and what an amazing story it is. And Um, We wish you all the best and look forward as you make that move across the country, Chris. Um, I love how you talked about bringing your recovery with you, you know, like like and getting dialed into your community when you land here. So um, absolutely, that's the way we do it. And that's the great thing about 12-step fellowships and peer support groups and Hazelden and all kinds of places like that is we can find them all over the world and now we have the internet and virtual everything which makes it even easier to get connected and keep connected to maybe people that are an important part of our recovery journey that now won't be necessarily in the same space that you're in um thank you so much jessica for sharing um your perspective as someone who is doing this incredible work in the world so grateful to you and to all at Betty Ford and Hazelden. Um, recovery in the news. I am still waiting for our listeners to send me some recovery news you'd like us to share. It can be local or national. It can be small or large. Anything that is a wonderful thing to celebrate um, about recovery, share with us. You can email me at heather at kcrecovery.org, and we will get your recovery news on the next podcast episode. So for now, I have some recovery news to share. Uh, You can join me and several of our recovery communities and champions uh, from across Washington State on Sunday, August 27th for our Recovery Day at the Mariners. It's an annual event that KCRC and the WRA put on. Uh, We start with a rally in the morning at 10.30 at Occidental Square. We'll have recovery speakers. We'll have a countdown. People bring recovery signs. We have special giveaways for the first 100 uh, attendees. And then March to the Game, 
uh, stopping for a giant uh, serenity prayer circle outside Lumen Field and make our way into T-Mobile Park where we have uh, a pre-event up on the Sky Level Concourse with food, community resources, recovery activities. It's a run the bases day for the kids. We have people, actually a father in recovery and his son will be throwing the first pitch and um, our recovery video will be shown on the Jumbotron and that's just part of the fun. You'll have to come and see it for yourself. Um, to buy tickets for the Mariners game part of the event, go to mariners.com slash recovery. And to get more information, you can also email me, again, heather at kcrecovery.org. Um, also, in September, National Recovery Month, uh, King County Behavioral Health and Recovery Division is sponsoring a recovery art showcase. And so there will be a virtual art showcase that will be available through their website, um, and in September and October, there will be an in-person gallery showing uh, that's part of the Belltown Art Walk for those two months at Van Studio Salon in Belltown. And so we'll have art by people in recovery hanging in a show. It's uh, uh, on Friday, September 8th and Friday, October 13th. 6 to 9 p.m. in Belltown. Love to have you join us. Thank you, everyone, and we will see you next time. Thank you to Work P2P, our production team, and to King County Behavioral Health and Recovery Division for helping to fund this podcast. And again, one more time, thank you so much to my guests today, Maureen and Chris and Jessica Garrison from Hazelden. Thank you. I'm Heather Venegas. Thanks for listening to King County Recovery Conversations, a place to celebrate recovery and help break the stigma of addiction and mental health. If you or a loved one are experiencing substance use disorder, problem gambling, and or a mental health challenge, please visit the Washington Recovery Helpline at warecoveryhelpline.org for resources and a 24-hour helpline. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Special thanks to our production team at Work P2P Studios. If you'd like to share your recovery journey with us, please email me at heather at kcrecovery.org. We'll be back in two weeks with another story of hope, resilience, and healing.